This is Two Minutes About Time with Luke Allen and Robert E. G. Black, the podcast that takes a look at the film About Time, two minutes at a time. I'm Richard Curtis, and I hope you enjoy it. And if you don't, well, you can just travel back in time two minutes and listen to something else. I'm one of your hosts, Luke Allen. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Robert E. G. Black. Hello. And we're joined today with our special guest, Johan. Hi, how's it going? So, Johan, could you introduce yourself to our listeners, please? Uh, I'm Johan. I'm uh, the host on the ID4 Minute, which is the Independence Day Minute. I also did the Roughneck Minute, which was Starship Troopers. And so, was this, this, I assume from what you're saying before we recorded, this podcast is your first experience with the film About Time? Yes, it was. Did you did you have any knowledge of it beforehand, or was it a complete it was always on discovery? My, yeah, it was always on my queue. I have a thing for Rachel McAdams, and then since my girlfriend also has a thing for Rachel McAdams, we both intended to watch it together. And since we also have to manage two kids at the same time, it's hard to have time for the two of us to get to actually lay down and watch this movie. Yeah, so I, I know you said you haven't got all the way through, but you're a good way into the film. What what do you think of it so far? I guess. So one of the big things that strikes up about the movie is the music. The music in, like the soundtrack in this film is amazing. Like every time a song yeah. comes on, we're just like, oh, I love that song. Oh, that is such a Especially good Especially this minute. Well, these minutes that we've got this week, we've got great song. Yes. The song that's in the subway, is that an original? The How Long um, Will I it, Love You? Or it have was I... by the Waterboys, apparently. Um, I first heard it in this film, yeah. yeah. And I think the, most people did. I don't think it was a, that. This is a song. cover, but it's it wasn't like an old song that had been around for a while. Okay, but just the uh, the guys that are playing it. They aren't like a well known band type person, correct? If you like folk music, they might be. I don't know. Okay, so because that's what I was kind of wondering because it is very folksy. That started to make me think of once, like just yeah. that feel of all the music and like. Well, they're. Playing buskers, which is he was in once, so yeah, yeah, that's the feel they're going for. But I think Richard Curtis is quite like into his music of all genres, so he's he's possibly one of those who would know all of these bands that the rest of us haven't really heard of. Which which I incredibly appreciate because I mean it goes from Groove Armada, which like it's been a while since I've heard Groove Armada, and then Nelly's also on the soundtrack, mm-hmm. and let's hear the Killers. And then the cure, when the cure just comes in, I'm like kind of on board. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's my favorite, well, it's my favorite film and my favorite film soundtrack in all honesty. So yeah, <laughs> yeah I think it's, I think it's got a wonderful mix of music. And so just to, just so we don't spoil anything too much, what's the last thing you remember <laughs> from where you are? Cause there are some discussions we've had recently. Uh, they, quite late into the film. they had the baby and they just moved into the new house. Okay. So we're pretty sizable in there, as far as yeah. we think. Right, but there are some... There are I figure there's going to be a yeah. lot, yeah. <laughs> I figure there's a couple lot. of big moments right after that. Yeah, with yeah. a lot of things with like how... All the big moments, really. <laughs> yeah, because I figure there's a lot of things that's going to happen based on how the pacing of the movie is going through, because he, we haven't seen him use his time travel as much. And I figure at right. these points, especially the way the character, the main character looks on the hospital bed, like, uh, is he going to use it sometime? Because, and that's where I'm at. But don't, don't spoil anything if I'm no, right. There's, yeah. <laughs> You'll enjoy it, I'd imagine. Yeah, I but, figured. Yeah, it's, the ending is wonderful. I figured, I figured as much. But as far as stuff that I have absolutely no idea about other than Rachel McAdams, I am delighted by this movie. It's so good. So we open minute 51. And actually, we've got some brilliant minutes this week. Like, when I was going through it, I was surprised as to how much we actually cover this week. Oh, there's a couple of minutes here. It's the biggest laugh that me and my girlfriend had in this movie, so... But that's later on. I th- Okay, I think I got a good guess as to what that yeah. was. <laughs> I've got a good few things to say about that. I'm just going to check my notes briefly, which I'll, I'll cut out, because... While, you, while you're checking, I'll get the band out of the way, because yeah. we're talking about them already. It is John Bowden singing and playing guitar. Mm-hmm. Sam Sweeney on mandolin and Ben Coleman on electric violin. Okay. Bowden and Sweeney are in an eleven-piece folk band called Bellowhead. I don't know how famous they are, but they seem interesting. Hmm. But I like the montage with the. I mean, we there aren't a whole lot of like uh, mainstay buskers in the U.S. that I've seen. No. So 
something like this is very hard to interpret into a a U.S. type scene. So this is something that that can really only be filmed in the U.K. because we only have like the you know like the the drummers with the um, the plastic buckets, etc. But there's no such rhythm to it and no lyrics that it makes it continuous for a scene like this. We just don't have something like that out here, except for maybe Naked Cowboy in Times Square. <laughs> but there's nothing like this. Like you, so from here in the U.S., this scene is very stimulating for me. Yeah, the music is going on. You 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 try and look at the bus here. Are they always the same people? And but then I don't know how it would be in the the UK, but like this would just really be background at the point with the buskers, with yeah. us, with us like they're really part of the scene for me. It's I mean it's, it is a wonderful song and a wonderful montage we've got here as well. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and it, for a time travel movie, it also works really well because the song is defying the flow of time. And Robert, I get a I get a break this minute because there isn't really any proper dialogue, and you you're on visuals, so good luck. <laughs> Let's see. Well, um, have you opened my notes and seen how much detail there are? <laughs> I I did, and for some reason I, I I found the point, and for some reason I closed your notes again. Hang on, it took uh, me ages to get back to that to get to the right page. There's one thing I noticed about this movie. So when we saw this, we we both stated how adorable Rachel McAdams' fringe cut is. Yeah, I've been noticing that the flow of time is on her fringe. I don't know if you guys have noticed it. Like it, as time goes on, it gets longer. But then when it jumps back, it seems to be controlled. Like this montage sequence, you can see her fringe getting longer and longer. And that's huh. that is kind of like how they determine the time span at this point. Because really, there's other than the Halloween, but we also aren't quite sure when this starts. It's not Halloween, or yeah, yeah, that is true. They're the only ones dressed up, but. Well, and Kit Kat, but she's dressed for Christmas. Kit Kat can be dressed as anything. I adore her. She's awesome. She can be dressed as the Easter yes, Bunny if she wants to. Yeah, but her fringe is the only thing that seems to set a timeline of change. In fact, in the first minute, it's just a little bit shorter than at the end of the minute. Oh. I was wondering, uh, I couldn't figure out how to find this out, but how often they change ads in that subway. Oh, you're right. Because those switch out as well. I think it was the actress who plays Kit Kat. She said on the commentary that her agent was also the agent for whoever at that time was playing Spider-Man. Uh, she didn't name that either, and I forgot to check. And there was, like, some Spider-Man poster up, and she was dressed in a silly outfit, so decided to, like, post send a selfie of her with the poster to her agent. Oh, okay. That 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 was one of those facts which I didn't write down in my notes, so I could have got, like, half of that wrong. I heard it on the commentary and thought, that's not as relevant as the other parts. But I wish I'd written it down now. The other one that was surprising in this movie was Vanessa Kirby. Yeah. Like, I, like, just seeing her, I was just like, oh, she's in this too? Because, uh, my first experience of Vanessa Kirby was actually the Hobbs and Shaw film. Yeah, the first time I noticed her was in Hobbs and Shaw. Yes. Looking back, I'd seen, I apparently had seen her in a bunch of things, but even this, she's just... Can I say that I'm... I'm, like, so unaware of pop culture that until this show, I didn't really know that she... The name seemed familiar, but I didn't really know that she had made it big. (laughs) But, yeah, so, I mean, one of the interesting things with this montage is Kit Kat, obviously, is there with Tim and Mary. Yeah, she lives in London. Mm -hmm. But we we do... that. that, I mean, I guess that is the valid explanation for it, but it's just kind of odd that, that the parents, we find out later on, haven't even seen Mary before. Well, it it might not be that long yet because this they met in June. This goes to the end of the year, basically. So it's been like six. But he's months. he's moved in with her before she's met his parents. Well, yeah, yeah. But Kit Kat keeps going back and forth between London and Cornwall. Cornwall. But she keeps going back and forth. That like it just seems to be that thing where they're even surprised to see her at her parents' house. So I don't think they can really... Yeah, when Tim goes back there. Yeah, so I don't think they're able to really keep track of her as much. Well, I think even this minute kind of conveys that, because when we first see her, she's, like, kissing Mary's cheek, and Mary's kind of, like, overwhelmed by her. Yeah. So she's very much close to them for briefly. Yeah. But when they're in costumes, there's another couple walking in between them and Kit Kat. Like, they're already distancing from her, losing track. 
Yeah. And I, as I've said before, I believe I've been to this tube station. I'm not certain. They all look very, very similar. This one's very small. This is basically yeah. the whole station. It's this and then the platforms. Yeah. It's like four tunnels, it looks like. No, this this one's only two tunnels. Oh, I Those walkways go to the same places. Oh, really? Yeah, it's oh. a northbound line and a southbound line. Oh, I guess I'm confused with, like, line. the way it looks out here. <laughs> so it's... So I think I went past it when I was on my way to Baker Street. It is on the Bakerloo line, so I could have yes. done. And it was just so crowded I didn't get the chance of, like... To t- it would have been weird to anyone else, me taking a picture <laughs> in the middle yeah. of the subway, just stopping to take a picture. But I'd watched About Time, like, on my way to London. So I'd had it downloaded on the Netflix app while I was there. So I went there, looked at that spot where that looks familiar, and then loaded up Netflix on my phone once I'd left to get to that point. If there was a busker, you would have had to take a picture. Oh, yeah. And it wouldn't have seemed too bad, because they're, you know... Right, they'd take a picture of something. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, that wall's probably, it's just the the two lists of stops you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. That's the boring wall. It's normally so much more busier than it is in the film. Or at least it seemed it. I think I think it was more busier than that, yeah. We see it busy a couple times here, but Yeah. Yeah, overall we you can't have it too busy or you won't see them and we need to see them in the transition of time. Yeah. I mean I think I think it is wonderful the way it all looks with the transition of time. It's a brilliant montage. Well yeah, because it's them together and then we get to see essentially when he's moving in because She's carrying, dragging a suitcase and carrying a plastic crate. He's got a box of legal books in his backpack. So it's like, that's the moment he's going to her place. And of course, this is the moment of the film which, um, we, Richard Curtis sent the signed picture from for the show. Yeah. So it's iconic enough for that to be, I assume, his chosen picture or Emma's chosen picture for him. I don't know. One of them likes this moment enough to choose that moment. Or hates this moment and hates us. Who knows? <laughs> Since this, they met in 2007, right? It is weird that the Billy Elliot poster shows up during the sequence because that show was already on the West End for a couple of years. And would keep going for almost another decade. So. But it's a it's a working title movie. The year the movie was, so I guess they had to promote it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know how regularly the posters change on the sub. I, I think they're pretty regular, actually. Everything seems to be pretty up-to-date whenever I've been to Subway Station. So one of the notes which is mentioned in the commentary around this point is that the surname of Tim Lake, well, it's the name of Lake, is because there's a song, he didn't I, He didn't say who, I'm going to who by, I'm going to have to Google it, about Beverly Penn. Is that ring a bell at all? Or There yeah. we go. There's a song called Beverly Penn, which is by the Waterboys. There we go, that's where it came at this point. So another song by the band who did this, who did, who originally did How Long Will I Love You, and one of the lines is, who who was she and why was it that Peter Lake loved Beverly Penn? So we chose the name Lake, hmm. which is just interesting. Is yeah, Mary's last name Penn? I don't think we ever hear her name. And actually, yeah, that, that line of Lake and Penn comes up again later on in the song. So it's a, it's a recurring part of the song, and listen to that song later, maybe. And so this filming... There were, I think, 14 different outfits uh, said in the commentary, and it was shot between 9pm and 6am. So when they're getting tired out at the end of the montage and looking tired, that's just because they were. (laughs) (laughs) That's all my notes for the subway bit, to be honest. You don't even have notes on their costumes? So I didn't, because I was was only making the notes of the commentary. Ah. I'm going to fast forward to... Because I I knew that you will have commented on the the costumes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And Kit Kat's adorable as usual. Yeah. I do like that we see Kit Kat in this minute. I do. Because, yeah, we, because we don't need to, but it just, it just adds something extra to it. Well, it's, it's useful for later too, because, yeah. I bet she's gonna come back into the story, so, yeah, gotta keep her connected. And it explains how she already knows Mary when they meet. Yeah. Later on. So I, I do like the fact that they are going off in separate directions. I think it says a lot about about sort of how close they are as a couple that, you know, they do do make a thing out of always, you know, coming to and from the tube station together. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially, um, like, I think it's a 50-second mark, like, literally near the end of the minute, where she kisses him goodbye where he's about to leave, and he doubles back to kiss her goodbye. Yeah. Like, that's kind of a cute moment. 
Mm-hmm. When when he misses his train before that too, because he took the time to kiss her hand before they separated. Yeah. Yeah, like it's weird because I've seen this film so many times, but so many of these little things just I don't really notice until now. It's yeah. lovely, really. Yeah, that mm-hmm. common. That's very common when you start to analyze things minute by minute. <laughs> well, plus like his law books that he's bringing over, you know, he's moving in. When she's carrying a gift, the other thing she's carrying is a couldn't tell what it is specifically, but it's an appliance for the kitchen. So they're expanding their what they need at home. Yeah. So. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't think that when you're moving in, using the subway is, like, the best way <laughs> I don't know. of transporting stuff. No, yeah. no. I'm not I sure. would think a, a taxi or something. She has a car. Yes. But and I know London is busy, but, I mean, you're lucky on the subway if you get to sit down. No one's appreciating you bringing boxes. <laughs> oh, no. Of course not. The only thing I was curious about with the... uh the the scene where she has the like it looks like a gift and I'm wondering if it's like yeah. maybe it's a housewarming gift someone gave it to him but could be yeah is that a speaker set or a toaster the thing below it Kenwood True is kitchen appliances so. okay because Kenwood also makes speakers that's why I was yeah. confused but the Kenwood True line is kitchen appliances yeah I'm just saying because Kenwood speakers and that is just a little bit heavy to carry through the subway bumping well, yeah. into people. It- and of course, there's the dog costumes. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like a Which, dog and a sheep, right? I thought it was two, a, a sheep would be interesting. Yeah. I just assumed it was two dogs, but yeah, it could be a sheep. Uh, that's what I was thinking of because is it dog or sheep? But then because the inside is pinkish, it mm. like it. I don't know if it was supposed to be a rabbit or a sheep. So, but without like the no, like possibly seeing the feet, I wouldn't really know. Right. What's funny about the thing where they're in costumes is no one else is. So there's definitely, I mean, it's not Halloween anyway, because we're under winter. Yeah. From everyone having coats on and stuff. And it's weird that. But the only ones in costume are them and Kit Kat. Yeah. And it's weird that Kit. And Kit Kat's not very happy about it. No. no well, no. And she's, they're all happy walking together and she's behind the couple that's behind them. So she's by herself. Yeah. But it's weird that. And purple, her, of course. But yeah. her costume is like the most, um, like social distancing one because she's very <laughs> but she's very much in everybody's personal space oh yeah no one would be happy with her on the tube yeah she <laughs> probably wouldn't get through the doors to be honest <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they checked although if she didn't fit through the doors that sure they would have given us a shot of that because it'd be funny yeah oh yeah so i guess johan one of the questions is like have, have you been in in london and no. No, the tube thing? Okay. No. That's why I thought, Robert, that's why I thought the, yeah. um, the four openings was four different, what's it called? Uh, rails, because that's I how it's, yeah, that's how I thought it would be, because like, there's always like the two that go to the other side of like the same railway. Like one is gonna be like the north side, the other one's the south. It just has a staircase. I, I didn't think that this was the same way. But I'm, now I'm starting to see it, it's like, oh, it's because people here are polite and, one side is literally a exit, one side's an entrance, in a way. Seems to be, yeah. Yeah, which doesn't really happen here in the US. Well, even if it's not in and out, having two openings means more people can get through still. Yeah, but... You're right, it is a really small station. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as you said before as well, like it's not the closest station to Mary's flat. No. Although, we can assume her flat is not where it is. Okay. Because they never say the address of hers. That makes sense. I feel like I'm going to start viewing this film completely differently now. We've got the whole geography. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Though. I mean, would, would you recommend that I watch this film again at all until we finish doing this? Or do you think I just wait till we... I, I've, I wait. Yeah. You wait. I would wait. You, you honestly make yourself sick. Yeah, fair enough. There's but, a but then it gets really nice after. No. It just flows so smoothly. No. There's a possibility that I'm watching it like with a friend and like texting her through her watching it for the first time, oh, that's mm-hmm. but that's the only reason I will watch it again. But we're halfway through the film nearly already, so mm-hmm. you know it probably won't be too long if schedules end up being as smooth as they've been so far. So yeah, I mean, should we go straight into fifty two? Yeah, yeah. So fifty two. Normally I introduce it with dialogue, but there's not very much dialogue, is there? No, no, and there's a few Nothing things that happen before the dialogue on. too. 
But that's where a lot like of the... that's where a lot of uh, things in movies get really strong. Is sometimes there's scenes where there's no dialogue, and just the way things are carried, it just makes dialogue would just ruin this part right now. So yeah, just it's it's nice. This minute starts, and Tim and Mary both go over and put money in the bowl in front of the band. Yeah, and they come back, right? What do it's, you mean? It's them at the proposal, isn't it? No. The band? No. Yeah. No. no. Well, I always, why did I always think it was them? No, I, I, <laughs> is, I, I is actually really tried to look at it. Is it mariachi band or something? Um, no, it was, um, it was the band that was at the play that he was, that he wound time back at to talk to Marco Robbie. Oh. Because okay. of the, the, vo- oh. the vocalist. I haven't done my notes for those minutes yet, so. Oh. I was trying to pay attention because since I saw these guys being used as a montage, I wanted to see if they're being repeated to try and form some sort of theme. So I was trying to pay attention to that. And when I saw that they weren't there, I was like, oh, okay. Okay, well, I like that it's the band from the the Margot Robbie minutes. I think that's fine. I would have slightly preferred it being this band because yeah. it would have, like, meant something to Mary. Yes. So... But I mean, maybe they're maybe they're expensive and difficult to book as well, like being an actual band. <laughs> well, they. Have... I, I don't mean in the universe of this. I well, mean in just... in the yeah in the movie they're not an actual band. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like in terms of you know maybe John Bowden could only do one day. Right. You know. Yeah, but if you've been playing the same song from like nine p.m. to what two a.m. Like I guess like <laughs> you're kind of done filming for a six. <laughs> yeah, you'd be kind of done filming for a little bit. <laughs> nah, you yeah, just drive fact... over to the apartment set. <laughs> in fact, with the, with the montage, what I haven't looked at is, does does it completely match their lips all the time? Mm, no, no, it's close. Yeah, there's a couple, but parts. in a lot of the distant shots, it doesn't match. Yeah, there's a there's a couple parts where like the cameras, I think, panning to the right of the lead singer, and you can see there's like just a mistiming issue. But I mean, that would be painful for the editor, so it's yeah. fine. <laughs> you know? That'd yeah. be painful and, and for and the director. Don't need it. Yep. Trying to yeah. time action to lyrics, mm-hmm. you'd have to script the whole thing. Yeah, I just, I, I, I think the safest way of doing it would just be play the song and we'll repeat this same thing over and over again for the whole song. Yeah, but even that is really difficult because just where there's regular lyrics being performed and not the verse. Or the chorus, like just verse instead of chorus. Like you'd have to repeat just that portion because of how how much the time cut is. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you can't just go the "How long will I love you?" the entire time. So, and I, I and I think that the final version is incredible. Yeah, and it yeah. does just what it needs to do. And this is one of the main moments I think of when I think about time. I think this. I think him waiting in the museum. I think yeah. the wedding, and I think one other moment, which we can't really talk about, but I'm pretty certain Robert will know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, th- I think this is definitely, like, one of the main scenes in the film. And actually, in terms of this, the wedding, and waiting in the museum, they're not too far apart. No. Those three things, really. What, about maybe 20 minutes, half, all, all take place within about half an hour, maybe? Yeah. It's, Probably, it's yeah. fairly, fairly quick. So, I mean, it, I can't what my point was. Um, yeah, so we see them going up the up the escalator, which which, which is nice for whatever time of day that is. That oh, is very very empty. It looks quite bright up there as well. So yeah, but since you know Tim's the narrator, and we've talked about this before, Robert, about him being the unreliable narrator. You know, it doesn't. Well, I think it's also a nice visual in that we just had a montage that showed lots of people, lots of stuff happening. So it ends with them just slowly leaving the station by themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like a, I mean, this is like a music video, this sequence, really. Yeah, it's got a beginning and an end. They come in, lots of stuff happens, they leave. Yeah. But and that's uh, yeah, next I mean, minute, though, isn't it? We're drifting. Yeah, we're <laughs> drifting. <laughs> we're in 52, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, so it's... So yeah, so they go up the escalator. And I mean, even... I mean, this is reminding me, really, of... I mean, one of Richard Curtis's first films, Four Weddings and a Funeral, you've got the iconic line, you know, was it raining? I didn't notice. <laughs> so the idea that they're, they're so invested in one another that they don't know if there are other people around them or they're there. Right. So Tim telling the story, there's no one. Yeah. We actually, me and my girlfriend actually had that similar moment. One of our friends saw us when we were kind of first, like when we had our first kiss. I was like, wait, he was there? <laughs> He's one of our <laughs> best friends. 
And then she's like, yeah, he was giving us a thumbs up. And I was like, I didn't notice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I mean, it it is a wonderful shot of them going up. And once again, we, we can tell the handheld camera, especially at that point. Mm-hmm. So like, they go up and it's still handheld, but not too shaky. But then when we go into the close-up, it's handheld and quite shaky. And it's got that sort of zoomed-in, cropped quality that does almost feel like... I mean, I felt with this film for quite a while... In, in in a good way, it feels like you're watching someone who's just followed them around with a camcorder. Some like the, the time, way yeah. that it's shot, yeah. Yeah. So here it is just like, you know, you 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 could you could almost imagine Jay being like, oh, you know, this is wonderful. You know, why don't you just I'll film you guys going up here. <laughs> yeah. See, those type of moments are, I think, okay with the handheld because the character's also walking at the same time. It it's more annoying when the there's dialogue and talking and like. They do that trick where the camera's going around the actors, but you can tell mm-hmm. somebody's taking visible steps with the camera. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. when they do it like this, it seems okay, because it seems a little weirder when the camera's stationary now. Because this type of filming is used so much now that without, mm-hmm. when there's no dialogue, it makes it easier to not try and see if what they're saying is actually coming out their mouths, etc. It's just them walking and it's, it it translates a lot better. Yeah, I get that. And I think there's there's quite a lot of handheld throughout this film. Like, I thought for a while that it was only handheld, but there were a couple of stationary shots. Yeah. But it's it's only ever so slightly noticeable when it's handheld anyway, because it's it just feels more intimate with this. Yeah. But I think this is also around this time is where they were switching to a lot smaller cameras that were almost handheld. So I think this is just a point where technology hasn't caught up to or art didn't catch up to technology so i mean we've got anything more of the montage because we basically finish it here no i thought it was pretty well shot i thought it was pretty Mm -hmm. pretty beautiful so yeah i just it's just a little weird now that they only play with mary's fringe but not her overall hair when they're trying to show time because in the beginning of the 51st it looks like it's straight but it's only halfway through or halfway down her forehead but then now it's like kind of curled up to just above her eyebrows. So I just, maybe it's just a guy not knowing how a woman's fringe cut is supposed to look, but it just seems weird that that's the only part of her hair that seems to be touched up by makeup, etc. Well, I wonder if since they were filming this sequence over just a few hours, there was no cutting. They just kind of yeah moved it around a little so it looked different. Yeah. From setup yeah. to setup. Yeah. So when we go to the shot on the street, I noticed that you'd realised this anyway, Robert. Yeah. Um, I hadn't twigged until literally watching this minute just then that the parents are the parents there. Parents are there. Quick, yeah. It's such They're a quick already outside. Shot on the street. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's pretty. And I mean, this this whole scene that we've got coming up, you know, the the parents are coming and the whole the whole no oral oral sex conversation yeah. and all <laughs> that. Um, Sorry. When I was. When I was going through audition tapes and showreels for Casting Unstable, someone on their showreel had reenacted that scene from about time. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I almost instantly offered them the role on the spot. <laughs> like It was just like, because there was so much about time influence in my writing, I was pretty much like, this guy gets it. Um, <laughs> and I mean, luckily, the guy I ended up casting, who we've already had on the show, Alex, yeah. played the part so much better than that guy probably would have done. He was a good actor, but he he was a very different character that he probably would have taken it as. But I think maybe he'd message to say he actually like lived too far away, or there was some issue. Because I'm pretty sure I'd offered him like a callback straight up. So yeah, if you want to be in one of my films, just reenact a scene from About Time and send it to me, and I'll pretty <laughs> much offer you the job on the spot. All right, I'll be sure to come in as a Christmas ball. It goes on a tree. Yeah, just wear purple. Yeah, big old giant thing. Do I get the part? <laughs> You're supposed you to make it to England for filming. Yeah, you... yeah. I was gonna say you gotta pay. You gotta pay your own transport. You're welcome to have the part, but you gotta get to Shropshire. I guess I didn't notice either that the the shot of the street meant something. Yeah. Might be just too yes, much time. It's on the deli it. by our door. Yeah, I gotta say it's it's so brief that I think my mind automatically assumes that Tim and Mary are in that crowd walking. Yeah. I don't know. I might be just poisoned from a lot of minutes with Robert's uh, podcast that establishing shots just don't mean nothing to me anymore. 
Right. In this one, they often do. And they do this a lot where it takes you a moment to notice the characters. Yeah. It actually. They do it deliberately. Yeah. Later. It just seems like nothing. They, they don't waste as much. They didn't need that at all. And that's why it's so brilliant. Yeah. Like no one expected it to be there. Yeah. So there's such an added detail that almost certainly the majority of the audience don't know. So Richard Curtis, if you, because we haven't seen her parents yet, we don't know. They're yeah. literally outside her door already. Mm-hmm. The shot. It's just, there's the shot. It doesn't mean anything until rewatch. Yeah. So, um, Richard Curtis, if you've made it this far into the show, bravo. <laughs> Which, yeah, if it's, like, if it's the theme Robert. of the movie. So Robert, do you think, do you think Richard and Emma will actually get this far into listening to this show? Or do you think, think they'll get It sounds like she through? will. Yeah. She, she can forward our thanks to Richard for yeah. this detail. Or who knows? I know that she directed a couple of scenes, so maybe, Maybe Emma did this. The the very last shot of the entire film, Richard Curtis was ill and Emma Freud just turned up on set and directed it while he was at home. <laughs> nice. I, I may have missed something here. I didn't notice this. there's two directors. Uh, no, it's um, Richard Curtis's girlfriend, who's also the script editor. It's just she was around on set a lot and there was one day, where, the, the day where they shot the last shot in the film. I just won't say what it is. Yeah. It's not really spoilery, but it's the last shot in the film. He was ill, mm-hmm. and so she just left him at home and went off and directed it. <laughs> that. And it, it it seems to be quite a family thing. Like but his his yeah, kids have got like that, yeah I, cameos. And I'm sorry, this may be, be like nothing much to people in Britain, but absolutely cannot do that here in the U.S. <laughs> with the DGA being so strict. That's why I was just kind of like, wait, who steps in to direct? You can't just do that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you, that's something you can't. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, that, that's something you can't do out here. You can't, there's such strict rules about who can direct. That's why the Wachowskis were all, were never named individually. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't know, to be honest, and then, as to how it all works. Yeah, so that, that was just weird that you kept saying like, oh, this person came to film, the director was like, wait, what? I honestly don't know how it works here in Britain. I don't think. We have as much of an issue with it, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not with Directors UK yeah. for any of my stuff. Someone's advised I join them, but it's pretty expensive. Um, well, she she is also credited as a, as an associate producer, so it's possible she would have enough authority to do it or make that decision. Yeah. In fact, if we could phrase this question well enough, I could send it over to Piotr now, who we had on the show before, who's a yeah. British director. So, I mean, what's what's the question? And I can like. How, how would we phrase this? And I'll just ask him. Are there any guild regulations about having a director step in for another direction during production? I will send that over. And we might know by Friday's episode. Yeah. Because that, that just makes me curious because I remember Sin City, the movie. There was that scene yeah. that Quentin Tarantino filmed, the one inside the car. Oh, right. I think he got paid a dollar. But he wasn't allowed to be credited. Yeah. Like, he has to be paid as a director, but he can't get credit because of... I think it's like, has to do with, like, um, basically how the, the awards go with, like, you know, for your consideration no. donations type things. Because you can't have five different people giving for your consideration for the same movie. That makes sense. I, I know another director who has, who has co-directed a film. I guess that's just different because it's co-directing anyway. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. And I think Adam will take longer than Piotr to reply, yeah. so I'll ask, I'll ask <laughs> Piotr. And maybe we'll find out, maybe we won't. We could all, I could always, if I remember, post this when this episode goes live. But it's interesting I hadn't really thought about, but I, I guess that could be the case. So I guess, should we go straight into Mary's flat? Yes. Yeah. It, because we've only seen the bedroom at this, up until this point, Mm-hmm. It suddenly feels a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. It's still really flat. small, though. It's still small, but it's suddenly sort of, I don't know, it, it felt considerably larger to how I seem to when picture it. When she starts it. cleaning up, it seems even smaller. The the furnishings, uh, like the back tile splash and the, the wood shells, it feels, mm-hmm. it might just be because of basically the history of England and all that, but all that looks old. And it's kind yeah. of, it's kind of charming. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's like that second, let's see, 33 where the two of them are in the shot. That shelf almost looks fake or that cupboard looks almost fake. 
just because you only see it in paintings and cartoons, etc. <laughs> that it just doesn't feel real because we don't have that here in the U.S. You don't have something like that. Someone would have redone that or made that that pantry yeah. go across until the the wall on the other side. You just don't have that. That uh, okay? Yeah. Well, I, I I think that this it's not common, but that is definitely it. It didn't stand out to me at all. So maybe it is a British thing. I think I've seen stuff like this before. But this is a set, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. This apartment. That, that's so why there's... This is, this is the only set in the film. Yeah. But, I mean, so, they they yeah. could have just like, oh, this is just standard stuff, so let's just put this here. But for us, like, there's... For me, there's a lot of things that stand out that is... It's weird because I'm starting to think, like, okay, this is just normal over in that country, etc. Like, the CCTVs are well-equipped. <laughs> Those things are awesome. Yeah. They don't look like the little tiny bubbles that you're trying to hide from public, you know. Oh, no, no. Yeah, these are like, these are here. This is what keeps people safe. Whereas here, it's like, we are just trying to catch someone committing a crime. That's it. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, so I think in in the, the the opening shot that we get of Mary's place, we have to, her, to the right of the screen, so to her left, we've got a Quentin Blake illustration from Matilda, the Roald Dahl book. Nice. Okay. And on the left, I'm trying to figure out what the buildings are on the, that she's got pictures of and I can't work it out. Yeah, and I actually can't remember if that was the same direction she pointed in in the beginning of the, when they, when he first goes to her. Going to the bedroom? Yeah. She does walk that way. It is in that direction? They're they're in silhouette in darkness and she crosses past him so she's going the right direction. Okay. I guess it's something I didn't pay, like, think about until I'm watching this minute by minute. And, I mean, in, visually, obviously the dialogue says otherwise. Visually, we could have completely skipped that montage, and this could be them waking up after sleeping together. Like, the way that they're, you know, the way they're dressed yeah. and all of that, like, and and her buttoning up, it does almost completely seem like where you'd go straight from the sex scene, cut to that. I, I don't quite know about that sort of direction, just because I, a lot of stuff that I've seen that gets imported from the UK to the US. I see that a lot. So I wonder if it's we we just get it concentrated because that's what's come what comes over. That with you guys it's more diluted into so many different things that doesn't come up as often. So you see see what specific thing a lot sorry. After, <laughs> after they've spent the night together, oh parents are there. Yeah. Hmm. Like uh Maybe. Like Im- I haven't really thought about it. Immediately there's well I think it's like the first season of Skins where he sleeps with the daughter of the principal. Or no, that's third season. Then first season is the little girl that has her underwear with the days written on it. So it's already like two in the same show, just spaced two years apart. But And in the U.S., there's so many times this that sort of gag happens. But also, um, I think... Um, I think it's just, a comedy cliche. Yeah, like um, Just Friends, so with Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis. Like, they do that as well. But it's yeah. just a common gag that, like, oh, guess what? Parents are popping in, and, you know, they're going to question, why am I here? So I, I kind of like that they kind of use the same... It's re-gifting, but they threw in a gift card. <laughs> so it's kind of the same gift, but, like, you know, what? you probably know this this gift, but here's a gift card to go with it. So. Plus, 50 minutes into the movie, they can do, like, cliched things, because yeah. now we like these two characters. Yeah. And with, as I said before, like, with Tim being the one telling the story, it might not be that quick, you know, between them waking up and the parents. This is his memory yeah. we're, we're talking about, rather. Yeah. So, it, it's, I, I think that, that I mean, montage not, they've, they've not necessarily just slept together at this point, have they? Yeah. They've just no, this is... not got dressed yet. <laughs> Right. In fact, this is further on in their relationship that there's actually a good chance that they didn't like have sex. They just actually slept in the bed because he's just waking because he's waking up at a different time than her. He's you know they already have he's a, already making breakfast for her. Yeah, it's they have a new routine. So th- this feels a little bit better that it it still makes it feel like a lot of time has possibly passed at this point because he, could we say this is the first moment where Tim is a grown up? Him making breakfast for her is like one he's of also the more adult pajamas. Yes. Yeah. This deleted theme is all about whether or not he should wear pajamas. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think you could say that after this passage of time, Tim's now an adult. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yes, he was twenty-one, so he'd been an adult for three years from the start of the film. But 
in terms despite of despite the, the number of his age, he's not an adult. Yeah, the game of the movie. No, he's he's teenage. They should have picked a younger age, except they didn't want to use a different actor. Yeah, yeah, and Donald probably couldn't have played like sixteen. Yeah, and plus there's beer and wine. I could I could have played sixteen year old slightly overweight <laughs> yeah. Donald. But there's also like if I wasn't how old when this came out? <laughs> Seven years ago, so yeah. So I was nine. Yeah, I I was nine. I couldn't have played sixteen year old overweight Donald when I was nine. <laughs> yeah, the beer and wine by the by the sink and a to go yeah. coffee cup. It just uh-huh. makes you feel like okay, this is adult time. Actually, I'm looking at the kitchen here. Is it like this? Is actually, a very, very nice kitchen for as small as it is. Yeah. Uh, how tall is this actor? Six one. Okay, so he's just particularly tall to everything that's in there. Yeah. Because he has like the coffee press up, like up top, and he also has a salamander, which you just don't see in most kitchens. So I don't. Know. I like this kitchen though. So I mean, should I have a go at the dialogue yes. for a moment? Let's do that. Why not? Mary comes in saying, okay, I have some bad news. Tim says, you're dying? No, not that bad. I'm dying? I, I, I love that. Just, just that, just the, just the, the speed of that dialogue, even just as the opening to this scene. It's brilliant. And she says, no, my parents are in town. They're visiting and they're coming around. Tim says, oh, parents? American parents? Uh huh. When? Now? <laughs> yeah, they told me and I didn't tell you and I thought they'd cancel because they normally do and they didn't. And Tim says, now, 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 now. So you should probably put on some pants, which obviously is what we would say trousers. So you're lucky to have the American character in this. Yeah. yeah. Because that line still confuses me sometimes. Like, he's wearing pants. <laughs> um, oh, no, I, I kind of get that with the Wallace and Gromit, the wrong trousers. So I figured trousers actually goes from waist to shoes. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, okay. And Mary says, okay. Gripping dialogue at this moment. And then Tim says, um, and she, Mary, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Do, do they know I exist? And Mary <laughs> says, uh, yeah, I've mentioned something like you, but nothing very specific. Um, and that's where, uh, our minute ends. Couple things about this dialogue that I think is romantically cute. Bad news. Oh, you're dying. No, not that bad. Oh, I'm dying. I think that. <laughs> It's cute in the way that his, her death is going to be more significant than his. Yeah. I think that's adorable. Well, you know, being dead is like being stupid. It only affects those around you. Yeah. (laughs) I can't remember who said that. Someone said that. It's it's not my own quote. If you you created that quote, email in, guest on the show, (laughs) lukeallen.co.uk. I just want people to email me, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I've asked people enough. You need some sort of connection in this pandemic. (laughs) Mm. Just anyone. But the secretive nature of her personal life with conservative parents, I've mentioned something like you, is very on par. Yeah. The the fact that she hasn't mentioned a significant other that is very serious to her very conservative parents. Because I'm assuming if you have parents that are super conservative, because that's how they're portraying him as, wearing the the blazer and such it's it's just I've, I've seen a lot of families like that especially out here and they tend to be the conservative kind that being a reader makes you more of that the arts instead of like going to business school like instead of being the person that runs the business you didn't use a connection your parents had to run a business and said you wanted to make something of yourself at a you know the lower paying position so it just seems more of her character that she would not have told her parents about him. Yeah. Because it, it, she just really wants to strike it on her own elsewhere at being at a different, uh, like different it, country. Yeah. But not only that, but I'm not quite sure how to say it, like political aspects oh, as your yeah. parents, you know, cause she doesn't seem very conservative as the parents are when they show up. Right. Because the the parents dress very American conservative rather than visiting a different country. Like you you'd kinda wanna wear possibly what everybody else especially especially if you're on vacation, you're if you're if you go on vacation you kind of want to dress to the weather. You don't want to dress like how you would dress possibly in like they look like parents from the around the Hamptons, like north of New York. Yeah. And it's like they dress it's for like that a blazer weather. And a tie. Yeah. 
and that's your your going out casual wear. So it it's weird that they bring basically bring that country there, and she's not the type to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So mm. I don't know. Yeah, I definitely get that. So but the the parents come back at the wedding, right? I don't think I don't remember if they do anything, but they're there. Yeah, they're not as memorable, which is. But incidentally, as a note, the brothers don't. She says she has four brothers. Yeah. Uh, Richard Curtis admitted to having completely forgotten that. So it seems that there's been a tragic accident in America wherein there are no brothers present at the wedding. Yeah. Well, she also said they were behind him and they definitely weren't. Maybe they're just invisible. Yeah. But. Yeah. Or, or, or she could genuinely just be completely lying. Yeah. <laughs> at that point, they've only just met. Yeah, it could be, could be messing around. And I'd imagine the idea of her having four brothers would kind of mean that if Tim was, like, turned out to be a horrible guy, it's right, almost kept like a threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it could even just be a lie that she tells people when she's dating them. That's very much a, it is an American thing, like the big brother protection, even the little brother uh-huh. protection. There's actually a sequence in last season's Letter Kenny, the ending, where they found out that the boyfriend was cheating on the sister. Have you, do you guys watch that show? No. I don't even know of it, I don't oh, think. There's this, it's a, it's filmed in Canada, but there is this yeah. sequence of, Oh, guess what? We found out that you hurt my little sister and literally bring the town on this guy. So it's, <laughs> but we seem to be more violent. It seems like over here than over there. Yes. So I guess it's something you can kid about, but over here you wouldn't. I was going to say, believe me, the more violent reputation is what we tend to get from America over here. <laughs> um, however much of that is accurate or not, there are definitely a heck of a lot of jokes about. America and violence. So, oh, I, I figured. Yeah. We'll leave that there before we get political. Yeah, yeah, because over here, the most violent, other than the most, like most of your movies, that's about it. But then, obviously, the hooligans. But then, the hooligans fight for their clubs, whereas we had the L.A. Lakers just burn their own city down because they won. Like, <laughs> we've we've got you beat as far as sports violence goes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is, like, occasional horrible, like, yeah. crimes that we get here, like, stabbings and things like that, which I don't know how regular they are, but it feels like I've only just become aware of it. It's like I assume we're in almost like a... I think as everyone does at some point in the life, I assume we're almost in, like, a safe zone. It's like, oh, yeah, that doesn't happen here. There suddenly is, seems to be all over the news that, like, every few weeks it feels like someone's been stabbed at a park or something. But I guess... It's kind of good that it's irregular enough for it to be news. Yeah, but we have school shootings as far as, like, yeah. contrary to your stabbings. I think we still got you beat <laughs> at that point. <laughs> yeah. Well, we did say one of this, con- this, we did say last week, Robert, we wanted this show to go yeah. controversial. Yeah. So, <laughs> there we go. America. America. <laughs> Maybe that's why no one's done a movie by a minute on Heathers. <laughs> no, yeah. Because that's suddenly become a lot more, um, yeah. Realistic. <laughs> didn't they? I mean, I mean, the TV series ended up being awful anyway, but didn't end up getting like postponed for ages in the states because every time they wanted to release it, the Heather's TV remake, that it was just like, oh, another school shooting. Yeah, we. I mean, happens a lot to everything here, and it's kind of ridiculous at that. Like, okay, um, let me rephrase that. It's like, first off, school shootings suck, one hundred percent, but it's really weird nowadays to try and think we should hold things off because of them, because our political system has done nothing to try and moderate yeah, it all the time. to be more sensitive about it, that the only people who are sensitive about it are the arts. And it's not even their territory. Yeah, I think that. I think, I mean, I, I think Heather's is dangerous grounds, and I understand it. But, it, yeah, it does seem odd, because it's hardly a show endorsing school shootings. Mm-hmm. It's one of those, again, where, yes, people would be upset and offended, but you'd hope they're the people who aren't watching it. Like, you know, you're, I don't see anything wrong with making fun of a bad thing. No. I think it's dangerous, and I didn't even get all the way through the Heather's TV series in order to tell you whether they did it right or not. I do have one last note for this minute, though. What's that? Tim's toast, or whatever he's holding. He never eats it. He awkwardly hands it to Mary, and she just, like, sets it down by the sink. Yeah. Moves on. 
It's like he forgot what he's even holding or what he's doing. Yeah. I think it's kind of like that shame moment where you no longer feel hungry. Yeah. He's past that. Yeah. It's like it's more important panic moment now. But she is cleaning up stuff on the table. I'm wondering if it's from last night or that was his breakfast and he was just having another piece of toast. Well, it's that's where she gets the wine glasses, isn't it? So oh, I don't yeah, think it's yeah. from, from breakfast. Yeah, so it had to have been the night before. Yeah, so, I mean, I think we probably covered yeah. most of what we've got to cover here. Anyway, Johan, where can our listeners find you on social media? Uh, you guys can find me mostly on ID for Minute, which is, a, once again, about Independence Day, which is a very American movie. <laughs> we've got guns and aliens and spaceships. I also did Starship Troopers with Matthew Soto, which is another movie about guns, aliens, and spaceships. <laughs> And then that was called the Roughneck Minute. And Robert, where can our listeners find you? You can find me on social media, Robert E.G. Black, my website, lemmingdrops.com, which includes links to my podcasts like The Room Minute, which Johan has been on four times now, I think. Four times. Four times. Yeah. Oh, wow. He's beat me by one. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. And the listeners can find me. On Twitter at Llama underscore Bottle Zero, on Facebook at Luke Allen Film, on Instagram at The Ginger Luke. All podcasts, short films, radio appearances, newspaper articles, and anything I'm remotely involved in is probably at LukeAllen.co.uk. And this podcast is available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Two Men's About Time. They can also join our Facebook group, The Cupboard, to stay informed on all things about time and the podcast and anything related to any tangents we have on the show. Today's goodbye is, as always, from an article about interesting ways to say goodbye. And it's, okay, bye, Fry Guy. The rhyming ones get older. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've got I've got a good one for Wednesday. There we go. I've just, I've just found it. Right the two minutes about time theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of the about time theme originally composed by Nick Laird Close. Two minutes about time is a production of Lemming Drop Studios in association with Bottle O Productions. Mm-hmm.